Thank you for tuning into the Debbie Devotional Podcast, a monthly show focusing on Debbie prospects, strategies, and incoming rookies. Now here's your host. Welcome into the Debbie Devotional. I accidentally hit mute. (laughs) Where we stay devoted to Debbie, I'm your host, Dynasty Coach A, joined as always by Aaron Wilcox at AaronWilcox86 on Twitter. And tonight we're going to be covering a C2C startup draft that has combined uh, campus and Canton sides, uh, which is pretty interesting if you ask me. And this is something that Aaron is actually involved in. So we'll get his analysis. We'll get his opinion, uh, you know, what he was thinking, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so this is going to be more of a C2C focused pod, but I think there's going to be a lot of information and we're going to be comparing uh, some Debbie or C2C players, you know, to the NFL side as well, because they're combined. So you have to make those decisions. Uh, like I said, I think it's all very interesting. I wish that I had been invited to the league, <clears throat> but uh, alas, I was not. Uh, but how are you doing tonight, Aaron? Yes, we're, we're going to have to get another one of these going because they, they are fun. Um, but I'm doing well. And so, yeah, I appreciate you making the time for this tonight. I know you've already been busy. There's going to be a pod dropping. Um, John was invited onto the C2C pod, which is awesome. They do great work. So check that out as well. And yeah, excited to talk about the C2C startup. So like John was saying, just a little background and, and hey, Toronto Dave, good to see you in the chat. Uh, but to give everybody a background on this league that's going on, it's 75 rounds startup. Everything's combined, both the NFL and the college pool. So basically, you're drafting at 101. You could draft Caleb Williams if you really wanted to. Um, it's kind of a crazy format in that way where they're all just mixed together. And you, you got to have um, somewhat of a good understanding of C2C as a format before you jump into this type of league. But um, it's fun. You could go any strategy you like. You can do a blend of, you know, heavy on the campus side or Canton side. And we'll talk maybe about strategy here in a minute. But just some basic background of the specific format here. It's 2QB on the NFL side, kind of deeper running back, wide receiver, tight end. It's two tight end as well. And yeah, deeper starting Actual lineups. Two QB or Superflex? Actual two QB. Okay. And then the and then the campus side is even more crazy. It's three QB, and it's like four running back, four wide receiver, two tight end. You know, it's it's kind of mega starting lineups on both sides. So it adds a little wrinkle into there, especially with the three QB on the college side. It's like the college QBs and and the NFL QBs all got pumped up value wise. So keep that in mind with where these guys went and how they were kind of valued or grouped together when we break them down today. Yeah. And that'll definitely, I mean, I know we're, I think from what I'm seeing here on the sheet that we kind of have for the most part, the same uh, position. We have a couple questions with, with uh, multi multi position, but uh, I feel like, a lot of them are, are the same position. So like, it won't be too difficult, but you know, we have to keep the, all that kind of stuff in mind when we are making those decisions, like those QBs are pretty damn important, you know, in, in two and three QBs. So, uh, you know, I think people get over crazy with Superflex, but two QB is a different animal. Like you literally have to start two QBs. Um, you know, like people, I had a, a conversation with, uh, with a close friend the other day, and he was saying, you know, oh, you got to blow up that that team. You got to blow up that team. You only have, 
uh, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, and Baker Mayfield as your QBs. And I was like, what I'm hearing from you is I have three starting QBs, <laughs> you know, like in a super flex league. Like I, that's all I need. I, it might not be the ideal lineup or anything like that, but as far as I'm concerned, that's all you truly need. And obviously, hopefully, I can add to that uh, at some point, whether it's in trades or or you know future drafts or whatever. But in two QB, I'm probably not feeling the same way because you know, like I can I can throw a Wandale Robinson or somebody like that into that super flex spot if I really need to. You cannot do that with the QB, so it does change things up. Absolutely. So. For the purposes of what we talk about tonight, you could think Superflex or you can think 2QB, but that's just, you know, the format being 2QB on the NFL side here. But did you have any thoughts on strategies, John, about, you know, maybe a startup strategy with productive struggle or win now on, on specifically the NFL or the, or the campus side at all? Well, I guess I'll, I'll probably turn it back to you here in a minute, just because this league is so different with them being combined, um, you know, that it, it, it's it probably throws a lot of strategy out the window. And I, mean, I guess technically it's still two different leagues and like it, it maybe shouldn't throw strategy out the window. It's just how you draft them, that kind of thing. But um, it I'm perfectly fine with the productive struggle on the NFL side, uh, just because I think that if you start young on the NFL side, you can build that, you, know, you can continue to build that year in year out, that kind of thing. Um, you know, even if you have a down year, you, you miss on a draft, like you just, uh, you know, I, I did really poorly in this supplemental draft this year or, or you know, whatever uh, the, these players, you know, Keishon Boutte didn't work out. Like I thought he was going to like that kind of thing. Even if that happens, if you add just one or two quality NFL players per year, that's still enough to keep feeding that NFL side. You know, like it, 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 obviously you want more, you want as many as you can possibly get. But I think that if, if you can just get a couple of solid NFL guys each year, then you'll be fine, especially once you build it up. And when I say productive struggle, I don't mean your team's terrible. I just mean that your team might not be scoring Uber points this year, you know, like that kind of thing. You have quality players. You might have a Drake London who's probably going to have like a down year with um you know with Desmond Ritter throwing him the ball but he's a quality NFL player and that'll probably change you know sooner rather than later with you know either Ritter's going to get better be better or they're going to replace him you know like something like that so it's always talent versus situation like that kind of thing talent over situation so that's the kind of productive struggle I'm talking about and I'm not talking about oh well my team sucks like I just you know I, I'm going to completely tank this year and I don't care like I'm not saying you need to go get the 101 in you know on the NFL side because that is not valuable or, or not very valuable. I'm just saying that you know like it's okay to have a younger mindset. I think when it when it's coming to your draft, and yeah, maybe I'm not going to focus on the NFL side as far as the championship this year, but I can win the championship on the campus side, and then next year I can win the championship on both sides. I, I like the sounds of that. And speaking of winning championships on both sides, you know, that's always my goal. And I mean, not, it's not everybody's goal, right? It sounds like it should be right. It sounds good in theory, but not a lot of people do it. Not a lot of people actually go for it. And I am trying that strategy in this league. I've had some success in other leagues, but I mean, to get that double, that just doesn't really happen. I haven't been able to pull that off yet in my C2C leagues. Um, but I, I've done well on the campus side in the past, 
And I'm really trying this year in this specific startup to compete with my NFL side. So I kind of like the win now slash, you know, have good dynasty assets, of course, as far as as far as the NFL side is concerned. But then at some point in your campus draft, like go go after Debbie guys, sure, when you can or when the value presents itself. But have enough C to like CFF college producing guys on your roster because guess what if your if your team doesn't end up going to the championship, well, in most leagues you don't really have a trade deadline or you have a later trade deadline. Well, then trade them if you're not going to actually make a push. Like they're still valuable assets having these CFF scoring guys. I think Jareth Stearns the other year went for like a, a campus second or third. It's like, it's crazy. Or like Rasheed Rice. I mean, you could have sold them for a campus third and you, you could profit off of some guys who are mostly just CFF relevant. Um, I know Rice has a bit of d- dynasty value, but th- that's a chat for another day. And, and we don't really, yeah, we, neither one of us love him by any means, but Anyways, I, I'm just saying have good long-term talents on your NFL roster. I prefer to build that side first and then go with campus assets. Try to build some Debbie ones, but then also have a mix of um, CFF assets. That's basically my strategy. And, and you know me, Aaron. Uh, the listeners probably know me, hopefully know me. Like I'm all about the all-in approach, generally speaking, but I wonder – you know, like what's a good, you've been doing C2C longer than I have. Like what's a good hit rate as far as like NFL players going to your, or, or I'm sorry, uh, campus players going to your NFL squad, uh, like, like actual solid contributors, maybe four or five players, something like that. Uh, you know, and, and I'm saying, and that's just solid. I'm saying like actual studs, maybe two, three, you know, like something like that. So, if you go all in and you know you have you have Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs and and Aaron Rodgers and, and like all these players, how are you gonna fill that next year? <laughs> you know, like the, not to say that all these players are dying next year, but I'm just saying, like, when it does happen, how are you filling all of those spots? And you can't do it with rookie picks, you know, like that doesn't work that way. And it's so much more difficult in a in a campus to Canton league. You know, it's it's more difficult to trade because not everyone understands the value of trades. Um, and then even when you are making a trade, you have a, a, a so much lesser of a chance of hitting, you know, because you're drafting these freshmen and second year players and all that kind of stuff. So at that point, it becomes more difficult to fill your NFL side than it is in a regular dynasty league where it's like, okay, well, yeah, but next year I'll just have one one you know, like that. You don't get one one you get one one but it sucks. <laughs> so I, that's, you know, that's where I'm coming from where I might lean more towards the productive struggle in a C to C startup. Whereas I would hardly ever do that in an actual dynasty league or regular dynasty league. Yeah. And I think, even partially what you're getting at is just saying, yeah, you're not going to load up on every player is not going to be Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler and, and, you know, guys like that, uh, nuke and Michael Thomas. And, you, you know, you're not going to keep going down the line and have everybody old because you can't replace them all. And I, I get that side. I think you have to have a blend. So when I say, yeah. you, you know, you go okay to have a couple NFL of those side, guys. Yeah, right. Have a couple because they're going to really help you and they're going to be devalued. They're going to be good values at some point, hopefully. 
uh, when you take them. So you have to have a blend. You're exactly right. I think we need to emphasize that you should not go necessarily all old and just say, oh, I'm going to keep scooping up the, the value and the talent. Well, your team's going to suck the next year, but there, there's just not really any incentive for doing that productive struggle on the NFL side as far as draft picks. Like you said, if you get an early rookie pick next year, it, it sucks. It's unless you get the one on one, you might get a hidden gem, but most likely not. So, again, productive struggle to a degree. But if you can try to, you know, still have a, a nice enough roster where you can compete, hopefully that you're one, that's awesome set yourself up well, where it's not a total dud. Uh, I will use, and we'll get into specific players here in a second, but I will use one team's building as an example of they drafted one player in the first, I think it was 36. Let me double check one player in the first 46 rounds on the NFL side. One player was selected uh, Jordan love <laughs> quarterback for the, the Packers mm. and every, every yeah. other asset was, to start this league was a campus player. And then now it's being filled with NFL players, right? Once you hit your, your 45 player max for the campus side, you have to start drafting NFL. And at that point it's just, you know, guys who are just not difference makers and probably never will be. So, you know, that's a yeah. tough strategy to win at. I can't get behind that one because then, I mean, there's probably campus players that he's looking at like, oh, I could probably take, oh, no, wait, I can't take them, you know, on, on top of everything else. Like, you know, like you said, you're, you're drafting terrible NFL players and yet you're passing up on possible future NFL players. So, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't like that at all. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fine with the, I'm fine with like focusing on one or the other, but that's an extreme that I will never ever do. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I, I want I want to be able to field a squad on both sides. Like I, I want to at least be in the mix. I once once again, when I say productive struggle, I don't mean I'm going for 101. I don't care about 101 because it's a campus canton league. I'm just saying like I'm fine with missing the playoffs or making the playoffs and and you know being out in the first round or whatever this year. Like I'm fine with all of that. I just I'm, I want to be younger. I want to be, you know, I want to be players that I actually believe in that are going to be there for the next two or three years that I can backfill with my campus side. And then I can go get a championship that way. Now, obviously if I can build a squad and it might even be easier in this kind of league where you have that ability to like, look at the draft board and say, okay, man, I'm, I'm going to go campus side this time. Oh, I'm going to go NFL side. Like it might actually make it easier it might be more difficult when you're actually on the clock and you're making that decision because the, the stress is there, the pressure is there. But I feel like overall it might actually be easier because you're able to make that decision right then on the clock. Am I going NFL side or am I going campus side? You know, which, which side am I, am I focusing on right now? And so you can really even out your teams like, okay, well, like I don't need it to be number one on the NFL side, so maybe I'll lean a little more towards my campus side, but I'm going to keep them both pretty good, you know, like decent. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Some balance is likely what I'd recommend as well. So I liked that recommendation there. But yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I broke these players down by the ranges that they went in. So basically the players that we're about to talk about here in a second are going to be all grouped together within the same round, usually the same amount of 
a couple picks. So I picked more of the interesting cases, the ones that I think are interesting to discuss, debate, and we want to hear your um, listener opinions as well. So, you know, shoot us a DM or if you're in the uh, chat here, if you're live, definitely shoot us a message uh, because these are interesting ones, or at least in my opinion, uh, quite a few of these were. So do you want to lead us off, John? Yeah, we'll start with my favorite player. Um, you know, in the early rounds here, uh, it was 107, 108, and 109. We had Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, and Caleb Williams go. And, I mean, like Aaron was saying before, I don't think it would be that unbelievable in a combined draft like this to see a Caleb Williams go. Maybe 101 is probably a little egregious, but, like, 104? You know, I, I could see that happening. I don't think it would be that insane. Um but here we have it in that order. Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, Caleb Williams were seven, eight, and nine. Um, I definitely have my opinions, but I'll start off with you here. And how do you feel about how those went? And I mean, I don't think there was anything too insane, but I guess the question is, are you willing to draft a Caleb Williams there at uh, at 109 might be the biggest question. Yeah. And in Debbie, I'm not as willing to, but in C to C leagues, it's certainly you're trying to get that campus production. It's start three quarterbacks on the campus side. Like you need those two. And then he's going to be a, a good NFL player, but how good. And, you know, is there something catastrophic that could happen? Sure. But that could happen for guys on the NFL side too. I just, I love the safety of Lamar Jackson. We haven't seen that elite play for a couple of years here, but I do love that he has this contract. He has this team investing in actual weapons. Um, that, that is promising for his security. So as far as safety goes, you know, him going first, then Justin Fields, then Caleb Williams, I'm actually fine with that order. And I don't feel strongly about this one, but I wanted to bring this up because I know you have some interesting opinions sometimes about, you know, Lamar Jackson, where he compares to some of these players. Um, so what's your take on Jackson Fields and Caleb Williams? So because of, of the, two QB and three QB aspect of it. I have no issues with like the actual 107, 108, 109 for this, this grouping. Um, obviously I'm a known Lamar Jackson hater. And I, I say hater cause I don't actually hate the player at all. I just, I think people are insane about him. They all, the only argument you ever get from people is he was the 2019 MVP. It's like, all right, cool guys, but it's 2023. Um, so I'm, I, I get, the, the biggest thing was, was he going to have a contract? Now he has a contract. So like he, he has to be valuable at that point. Um, but I think that people are completely dismissing the fact that he has a brand new system that's coming in. He's a rushing, rushing first QB that is now going to be in an air raid offense. Um, and like, while he has some additions coming in, I feel like people act like he didn't have, wide receivers in the past like marquise brown didn't exist you know like like all that kind of stuff like rashad bateman never existed even though he's still there and people are including him now it's not like he's never had pieces mark andrews has always been there and he's always been a stud uh marquise brown was was a stud except for he wasn't a stud because it was a low volume offense I, the other question is if you want lamar jackson to be a passing qb then his rushing is going to get hit it's going to take a hit it has to. So at that point, he's not as valuable as you thought he was going to be. Um, so one of these things has to happen. Either he's not as much of a rusher because he's throwing more or 
he's continues to rush because he can't throw and, and, and all that. Like that doesn't lean to the top of this tier. Give me Justin Fields. Give me Caleb Williams. At the very least, I think you're going to get a slow start. It's the first time he's had a brand new offense coordinator since his career started in the NFL. Um, and, and people hate Greg Roman, but Greg Roman created a system that was good for Lamar Jackson. We can't say that Todd Monken is going to be good for Lamar Jackson. We can say that he's a good offensive coordinator. We can say he's an exciting and he produces fantasy points. We cannot say it'll be good for Lamar Jackson. At the very least, we see a lot of QBs start a new season with uh, you know with a new office, a new OC, a new scheme, everything, and it takes time. So it might not be that hit that you were hoping for week one, week two, week you know whatever. But now maybe week eight, it everything clicks and maybe everything's okay. I still don't know that I love one hundred and seven, even with all of that said, just because I think that it. I feel like they will pass more. Like they've shown us, they they've told us they want to pass more. He's already started rushing less because of getting a little older, injuries, whatever. If they start passing more, people are banking on that 2019 9% touchdown rate, and it's not going to happen again. So I'm not saying he isn't valuable. I'm not saying he shouldn't be drafted around here. I'm saying he shouldn't be drafted first here. Yeah, I think you lay out an excellent argument for Lamar Jackson. I just look at the other options. It's like Justin Fields, as much as he flashes a runner, purely as a runner, he still is just so raw as a passer. I expect him to take that next step. I think most do, but there were points this last season, halfway into the NFL season this last year, I couldn't sell Justin Fields for anything. I mean, people people just thought he was dead. So half of a good season, I mean, I, he did have a, in total a good season if you um, are focusing on the rushing production. But again, it's like a Lamar Jackson situation. He's younger, but if he just doesn't get his team to that next level, is there a chance that he just, Justin Fields never takes that next step? I, I think that there's more risk. Lamar's safer, but like you said, maybe that upside isn't there. Lamar's probably not going to, like you said, rush at the same rate as he did when he was younger and his passing might not, not take that big of a leap, especially right away. So I, I present maybe the devil's advocate view of <laughs> Justin Fields, very risky in the first round of a startup. Are you, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of risk. If he, if he does not hit, if he does not stick as but, a I mean, quarter, what, what's telling us franchise. he's not going to hit the, the, the passing people say that Lamar Jackson didn't have anyone to throw to. He had, once again, he had Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, and Rashad Bateman to throw to over the past handful of years. Justin Fields was throwing to Valus Jones. Uh, uh, what the hell is it? Darnell Mooney for a little bit before he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. And Chase Claypool. Like, and uh, I'm don't don't me wrong. I, I I completely forgot for a second. Nikhil Harry. So like that's who he was throwing to. And yet we're gonna compare the two. I don't like it blows my mind when people are like, oh, yeah, well, Lamar didn't have anyone to throw to either. No, Lamar had great people to throw to. He just couldn't throw. Justin Fields is a great passer. We saw it in college. We've seen it in the NFL. They have a terrible offensive line, which they fixed, or at least to an extent. I don't know if they completely fixed it or anything like that. And then they've added DJ Moore, one of the best wide receivers in the league. Darnell Mooney's back and healthy. He's not a, a stud wide receiver one, but he is a quality wide receiver two, I believe. And then you still have those other pieces, you know, in your Chase Claypools and your Cole Komets and all that kind of stuff, you know, behind that. 
but I, yeah, I, I don't get that argument at all. I, I understand that it didn't happen last year, but I think we have to look at context of why it didn't happen and not just be like, well, Justin Fields is, is not a good passer. Like, no, he is a quality passer. We've seen it in college. We haven't seen it at the NFL level per se, but who the fuck was he throwing to? <laughs> hey, you bring up a really strong um, counter argument with Justin Fields. So you might be swaying me there. Again, these guys, all pretty tempting options at this range, maybe all reaches <laughs> to a degree. But again, the quarterback position is just so valuable in this format. So yeah, uh, some really good thoughts there. How about our next group of guys? I'm actually kind of surprised looking at it. And now that I, I honestly didn't realize when you sent this over that it was two QB, like actual two QB. Um, and so now I'm kind of surprised that Drake may fell to 210 um, in this draft, you know, considering that Caleb Williams went at 109. And I know that people love Caleb Williams, but like I would have expected, maybe it's just my bias coming into play, but I would have expected that Drake may would have gotten a little bit more love there. Um, I know everyone and their mother hates Kyler Murray. But in a two QB league, you're going to let Kyler Murray fall to 211. <laughs> like it, that just seems a little wild. And then we have Jonathan Taylor at 302. And that was the comparison here uh, was, was how do you feel about those three players? So uh, I guess I'll ask Aaron, how do you feel about those? Yeah, I agree with Kyler Murray. It's just the hate goes too far. But you look on Twitter and everybody's like, no, he's not a top 10 QB and this and that. And it's just, it's crazy. It's, and it's recency bias, both with, how the team has fared with the injury people just getting frustrated that he hasn't really taken. I don't know. He's played well. He's produced well as a fantasy asset. I don't get it. He's small, but uh, people are ranking Bryce young ahead of him. And it's like, no, Kyler Murray's actually done it before. And he scrambles much more than Bryce young does. So I, I love the value at Kyler Murray there. I actually considered him in this draft early in the second. I, I can't remember exactly how things played out. I think I, Ended up getting Jamar Chase, trading up for Jamar Chase. But um, honestly, Kyler Murray might have been the better value there, seeing how late he went. And Drake May at 210, like you said, he should have been closer to Caleb Williams, maybe in uh, back end of the first or early second. But uh, the Dynasty community, or I should say Debbie, C2C communities as a whole, not quite as high on Drake May. There's definitely not that hype behind him. And he's not going to be as valuable to most. So if you're going value-based drafting, I get why he fell, but I would probably say Kyla Murray, then Drake May, then Jonathan Taylor in this format. However, I mean, I might even put Drake May third. And it's not because I hate him. It's just because Kyla Murray and, and Jonathan Taylor are some pretty darn good assets for the dynasty or the NFL side of your roster. So Aaron, I, I know you follow college football, you know, substantially and, and you, you know, you, you stay in touch with all the stuff uh, who had more rushing yards, Drake may or Caleb Williams this past season. I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't I think you might track know. Of the counting stats, <laughs> but, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming that you're in, I guess saying that Drake may did, right? <laughs> it was Drake may. Yeah. He, yeah. he had more rushing yards. I don't, like I understand people love Caleb Williams. I have, I have been uh, not a known hater. I've never hated Caleb Williams, but I have always had him at two. He has actually moved up to one for me now. I'm not saying uh, this is not me being biased or anything like that. I have Caleb Williams at one. Drake may is not that far behind him. <laughs> There's absolutely no reason. If you're drafting Caleb Williams at one Oh nine, 
there's absolutely no reason why Drake may should be going at 210 or you're getting a steal if it's happening. Like it, it shouldn't be, you're pushing him beyond that. Um, and, and it's not just the rushing. Like I, I believe that he's a, a, a quality NFL passer and in everything else. Like he has the arm, he has the athleticism, he has everything that we want, especially in a two QB league. I, yeah, I, I, I'm actually it's it's a three QB league because it's a C to C. Like you're you're still on the C the C side, the the original C side. So I I think that yeah, give me Drake May way before two ten. Uh, Kyler Murray, we we've talked talked about it. Like man, there's no reason for him to be going that low. Jonathan Taylor is the only one that I'm fine with being at three hundred two. I'd probably drop him below that. Like I'm fine with him being being around that in a regular dynasty draft, when you start adding in these campus picks and stuff like that, I'm fine with him being lower than that. Like Jonathan Taylor is a very, very top tier talent in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. He is in a God awful position. He has a rushing QB that is going to probably struggle, most likely struggle and will be taking rushing yards and rushing touchdowns from him. And uh, an offensive line that was deemed elite at one point and now has kind of become non-elite, we'll say. <laughs> you know, like they, they, they have some work to do at the very least. And it doesn't mean that I hate Jonathan Taylor, but I feel like there's still that, like, there's still that feeling where people are just like, oh, well, it's JT. Like he used to be worth four first round picks. And so I'm just going to draft him early and I'm going to take him at 302. He probably doesn't deserve to go at three or two. It's just the, the God honest truth. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, and, and this exercise is less about like Drake may shouldn't be at two ten. It's more so comparing the three players. So I think in comparison, I agree. Quarterback should go first, and then Jonathan Taylor after that. I think that that was my first at least gut reaction there as well. At, does it change your opinion? And this is probably an important detail that I, I should have dropped that this is a quarter point per carry league and it's, you know, tiered PPR that probably doesn't change anything, especially for the running backs, but um, a little bit, but I think yeah. that with the, with the rushing QB aspect of Anthony Richardson going there, it's not that he's going to get the ball a bunch of times like a Derrick Henry or whatever. It's that he might be more efficient on those runs because of a rushing QB. And so you might still be exciting or excited about a Jonathan Taylor because Okay, maybe he won't score as many touchdowns. Maybe he won't catch as many passes, but he might get six yards per carry when he touches the ball, like that kind of thing. Um, you might still be excited about him that way, but that doesn't mean that he's going to touch the ball 300 times. And so the .25 probably wouldn't sway me enough to, to care, especially in, a once again, a two QB league. Now, if we start getting into .5, .75, something like that, then we can, we can talk. But in a .25, it's really not enough. I mean, you're at, at the end of the day, you're talking about, you know, maybe what three points, something like that. And I mean, th that's not even, it's th three or four points for everyone. And then maybe five points for like the top tier guys. So like, you're, you're really talking about like a point or two difference. Like it's not that big of a. Absolutely. I like it. Well, our next group is JSN. So Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, Ohio state wide receiver going to the Seattle Seahawks. And Mecca his old teammates, Ohio State wide receiver, and Tyreek Hill, all going in the late fourth to early fifth round of the startup. 
we could start with you on this one, John. So JSN, Emeka Ibuka, Tyree Kill. Uh, where do you have them? What do you like? I it's Tyreek Hill. Like I, this, this is blowing my mind right now. Like I love JSN as a talent. He has a decent landing spot. Um, you know, like I, I think people are getting a little wild about Geno Smith now. Like the, he had a, a pretty damn good season, but it was not a perfect season. And he has hella competition, if you will, in uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like I, I feel like everyone just assumes that Tyler Lockett's dead. I don't think he's just dead. I mean, <laughs> um, I think. Didn't they just give him a new contract not that long ago? Like, he has a couple of years left, if I remember correctly. Uh, I love Amika Igbuka. I think that he gets downplayed and, and uh, undervalued way too much in Debbie and C2C leagues. But you're talking about Tyree Kill, a player that is dominating on the NFL side. I don't care that he's talking about uh, retiring in three seasons. Like, that doesn't... I. I that's the the end of what I care about in Dynasty anyway. So, like, why would I worry about that at all? Um, yeah, this is easily Tyree Kill for me. I love JSN. I love Amike Buka, But you're probably talking about, like, at least two or three years before they can even sniff a Tyree Kill-type season. And so, you know, where we were talking about possibly going productive struggle you know, earlier in, in the episode, this is one of those times where I'd be like, no. I'm going NFL side. Like I'm going to, I'm going to win now, right now, or at least I'm going to consider it, you know, depending on my team and that kind of thing. But just in this small bubble here, I'm all about the Tyree kill uh, to start it off. Uh, I guess to, to finish the tiering or, or ranking, I'm fine with JSN there. He's already in the NFL. He, you know, he got quality NFL draft, uh, uh, draft capital and all that kind of stuff. I love some Amika. Uh, but you know, like, there's still question marks about like what'll what'll happen this season, like wh- where will he be drafted, all that kind of stuff. I'm fine with them all going in this range, but yeah, give me Tyreek, Jason, and then Amika. Sure, and this, that's what makes this type of draft just beautiful and and awesome because I'm actually on the polar opposite side. Tyreek Hill's last for me, not not necessarily going to draft him in that range. Um, and maybe that's because I know the draft board a little bit better as far as some of the values that dropped for the wide receiver position, but, or maybe it's hindsight, but at the end of the day, I'm not taking a 29 year old there. And, and that's maybe the ageism coming out, right? As far as the window of production, Tyreek Hill is going to have that for hopefully a couple more years, but you just don't know how much insulation does he have? He tears an ACL, something bad this season. <sighs> There's just so little, and I, I get that there's more than just that, and the likelihood of it isn't high, but as a guy who just he relies so much on that athleticism, as that starts to wane, we know at 30, it's like everybody's going to start fading him so hard next season. I I just love JSN because we know he's a great prospect. We talked about it all year long. People were fading JSN for the wrong reasons, or they hadn't seen him lately. And now they're going to maybe fade him just a slight bit because of the landing spot. It's like, no, he's a good player. Ty- Tyler Lockett's not going to be around forever. I I like JSN as the first guy here. And then Emeka Buka and Tyree Kill probably have more of a conversation for me just because Emeka hasn't made it to the NFL yet. 
there's some risk there, but both you and I love Abeka. We've been on him from the beginning. He's not actually that far off of Marvin Harrison Jr., which is crazy because it sounds like there's a huge chasm. There's, there's a cliff between those two guys in a lot of people's rankings or conversations. But Emeka is just a stud. So I actually have him second and then Tyreek Hill third here. Not that I hate Tyreek Hill. I, I don't want that to be <laughs> the outcome here. Just a little bit too old that early when we're comparing to these other guys where I think Jason is going to be a really high end or at least very quality NFL receiver for a long time. And Emeka Buka a large likelihood that he becomes a stud. Um, and he, he gives you that campus production. You talked about Tyreek Hill giving you really, really good NFL production. Well, Mecca Buka is giving you very yeah, good campus production true. as well. That's a huge, I edge. did actually, I did actually forget about the campus, uh, the C to C aspect for a minute. Um, right. In Debbie, in Debbie, it's definitely Tyreek yeah. still over Mecca Buka for sure. Yep. I, yeah, absolutely. But I, I did forget about that. I still feel like you're, you're, you're hoping that they ever become even sniff Tyree kills value. Um, and, and that's what you're hoping for. And so, you know, while you're, I, I, there's nothing you said was wrong. It's just a, a different way of looking at it. You know, it's like a philosophy I, and, and you're hoping yeah. that Tyreek stays healthy. You know, that's right. the other thing yeah. because he needs yeah. to stay healthy for that to pay off whatsoever. For sure. Right. And it is true. But uh, so I, I go back to Derrick Henry two years ago, Derrick Henry, uh, what do he, he break? He broke a bone in his foot midway through the season, he was dead. Everyone was like completely out on Derrick Henry. He's worthless. You couldn't even hardly get a third round pick for him. So obviously I didn't trade him. I have a lot of Derrick Henry. I'm a big Derrick Henry fan, if you didn't know. Um, so I didn't trade him anywhere. And everyone's like, well, aren't, aren't you going for championships? All that? Yeah, but I'm not going to trade him for a, a late second or you know, whatever. Like it doesn't make any sense to me. So this this past season, everyone's like, you got to get Derrick Henry's backup. You got to do this, whatever. Derrick Henry's healthy the entire season. So it's all about, it's just luck, really, more than anything else. Like, you know, like, it, it is does he stay healthy? Does he not stay healthy? Obviously, you can say the, the older guys aren't going to stay healthy as often, that kind of thing. Like, but it's, it, it, I don't even know how much that's true. You know, it's, it's, it's just like, I, if anything, there's actually been, uh, there's been uh, studies done that have shown that the guys that don't get hurt don't get hurt, whether they're young, old, whatever. And the guys that do get hurt do get hurt. And so they could be 21 getting hurt or they could be 41 getting hurt. It doesn't matter. You know, if they don't get hurt, they don't get hurt. And then you have like the random injuries in between. Derrick Henry broke his foot. That's not a ligamental damage. You know, that's, that's not something that we're going to like worry about like future issues beyond like short-term kind of stuff like oh maybe they're they're maybe they're favoring one side over the other because of a short-term thing but now that we're well beyond a year past that we're no longer concerned about that injury so i'm not concerned about derrick henry getting hurt i'm not concerned about tyree kill getting hurt you know it's it's the same exact thing so that's just i once again nothing you said was wrong I just disagree. <laughs> it's just like I would much rather have Tyreek Hill. You're hoping that JSN and Amike Ibuka ever become Tyreek Hill, and we have at least a year or two, if not more, of Tyreek Hill being Tyreek Hill. And so I will take that above those two because I think it's going to take, as much as I love JSN, once again, you, you weren't wrong. JSN is an amazing talent. 
Amika Gwuka is an amazing talent. As much as I love those guys, beyond the the campus side for Amika, I think it's going to be a couple of years before you're truly getting any kind of like Tyreek Hill production on the NFL side. Yeah, and I, I'm okay waiting in a way just be, just like you projected Drake May and Caleb Williams to be you know really really good a- assets for the NFL level. I'm projecting JSN and Amika Gwuka because both of them are excellent prospects to be difference makers um, at their respective positions. So, yeah, I, I think that both of us disagree. However, uh, really good arguments there. I feel like this should be like a Twitter poll or something like that, right? Um, because I think we've argued be it point. really well. Yeah, but, um, well, we'll let the listeners decide on that one. Uh, but this next question, it's still an earlier round option, is Branson Robinson, running back Georgia, Jackson Arnold, quarterback, Oklahoma, or Quinton Johnston, who just went in the first round to the Chargers. He's a wide receiver who, you know, he's the only NFL asset on this side, but he's not a proven asset on the in the NFL quite yet. So do you like Branson, Jackson Arnold, or Quinton Johnston? I think this is the first, like, truly inter- interesting one because – Obviously, we have three different positions here. We have NFL talent versus college talent. Like, there's a lot going on here. And that's why I love so much of, of you know, what that startup was. And I wish I could have been a part of it, buddy. But um, I think that it, it, it's really difficult to answer this question. But I think that Branson Robinson has a chance to be special, um, you know, in, in the NFL. And he has an opportunity to be great on the campus side as well um, here in the near near future and, you know, for the next couple of years because what he's, he's a sophomore, right? So I, I think that you can get like – I know that Georgia doesn't truly give you like workhorse touches and like he's probably not going to be that like – that he's not he's not going to be like a Nicholas Singleton when it comes down to like actual CFF points and like that kind of thing. But I think that he can have that kind of value when it's all said and done. And so I think I would lean that, although I really do like Jackson Arnold. Um, And I think that he could easily be the QB by the end of the year or at the very least, you know, next year. But we see so many of these QBs, you know, just fail and just truly fail. Um, And then, and then there's Quentin Johnson who's already in the NFL, great landing spot, got great draft capital and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've always been uh, I've always been lower on Quentin than most people. I've actually come around because once again he got a great landing spot and he got a great uh you know great draft capital and it just it's a perfect situation because there's people in front of him but man the, like Mike Williams can't stay healthy uh Keenan Allen's 31 you know like it, it's not it's not as bad as it might seem. And so like, I've, I've kind of fallen more in love with Quentin Johnson just because of the opportunity and the fact that you're pairing him with a guy that a quarterback that has a freaking rocket arm. And so it's like, okay, what does he do well? And what does he do? Well, okay. That works great. <laughs> you know, So I, I love that aspect of it, but I think that when it's all said and done, Branson Robinson might have the actual, the most value. And and he's the one that went first. It was 703, 704, 705. So I think I kind of agree with the, like where they went. How do you feel? Yeah. Um, I would say we need to at least flip flop Jackson Arnold and Quinn Johnston, just because 
you know, the hit rate on these five-star quarterbacks, yes, five stars are going to hit at a higher rate than four stars, right? That all makes sense. But I'm not convinced that Jackson Arnold will actually, A, be super successful at the college level, and B, then be super successful at the NFL level. There's a lot for a guy who hasn't played at all besides in a spring game, which, you know, he looked good in the spring on, on one or two throws, but he's not going to be the starter this year. So might take a while for him to mature in value, but there's some uh, insulation to his value as well, knowing that, well, he's at least not going to blow it this year. So, I mean, he's somewhat of a safe selection there as are most of those five-star incoming freshman quarterbacks. But I tend to agree with you with Branson, uh, but he's not going to give you that CFF production, which, or at least not difference-making production and that I think makes a big difference for me. And like you said, with Quinn Johnston, um, even if he isn't like the best wide receiver prospect in this class, not a bad prospect. And honestly, like you said, all those good things that he fell into landing spot, uh, draft capital, all that. I actually am going back and forth. I initially had him at Quinn Johnston, Branson Robinson, then Jackson Arnold. Now I'm kind of flip-flopping, you know, do I have Branson before? But yeah, I ended up actually selecting Quentin Johnston in this draft. So that was me. And, you know, I'm not mad about it at all that Branson got taken beforehand. I was eyeing him up for the record, but um, I was not going to take Jackson Arnold quite that early. I think a little too risky for my taste. Yeah. And honestly, like, I said how how risky it is to take these QBs, and then you know I, I still put him above them. And I, now that you talked about it, I'm like now, yeah, I, I'm still fine with having Branson ahead of him, just because I think that I think that Branson has a great ceiling. I know he's not like uber athletic or anything like that, but you don't have to be when you have that like quality size. Like people still. Tank Bigsby doesn't even have quality size, like true quality size. And people still think that he's going to be a stud somehow, even though he landed behind an actual stud in Travis Etienne. But I, yeah, give me a guy that's 230 pounds, a stud on a studly team, you know, like going to get drafted early. He, I get that you don't get the C to C like high end or the, the campus high end stuff with Branson Robinson, but you draft those players knowing that they're Debbie players. You go get your you go get your 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 CFF players later on to, to backfill and, and you'll be able to do whatever. But you have Branson Robinson because he's Branson freaking Robinson. So uh, yeah, I'm fine with switching and, and I would have Arnold at, at the at, at the back end there. Although I do like Arnold, and I think he actually has a legit shot to to like see the field fairly early or fairly soon. So like I don't hate Arnold. I don't know that it, I don't have the context that you do of like where every player went, you know? And so like, I, I can't say where compared to other freshmen and all that kind of stuff, like where he went, but I'm just saying, I don't hate the idea of him going. Yeah. And me either. And you make great points on Branson. He's got a lot going for him, a lot of talent. So as I talked about before, quarter point per carry makes a difference and it's uh, kind of pumped up some of the running backs in this draft. So the wide receivers started falling and they fell more and more and more to bring up some of the guys in the next grouping here. So Makai Lemon, Zay Flowers, and Deontay Johnson at 1308, 1309, 
and 13-10. And for the record, I would not have drafted Quentin Johnston at in the seventh round if I would have known Zay Flowers would continue to drop until the late 13th. <laughs> like, what the hell? Um, yeah, that's you know, a that, wild drop, man. <laughs> that is like like in rookie drafts, those guys are going back to back. And I could have got one, I could have got one of those guys five rounds later. Are you kidding me? Sorry, I'm I'm allowed to tilt a little bit, aren't I? <laughs> but anyway, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was ridiculous, but that shows how much the running backs were pumped up and, and quarterbacks too in this format, where Branson Robinson probably does get that running back boost versus Quentin Johnston gets knocked just slightly for being at the wide receiver position. But with this newer question that I just posed, it's like Lemon, Zay Flowers, Deontay Johnson. I I'm curious what your thoughts are. I, I think I know what you're gonna say. Should should I call it out? Should I make a prediction? Oh, yeah, I would love to. Uh, yeah, I would love to hear it. Yeah, I think you're gonna go with Zay Flowers, then Lemon, then Deontay. <laughs> you got it, baby. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it, that's pretty simple. And honestly, like I hate to say it, I I love you and respect you, but I feel like you might have reached on Quentin Johnston looking at the next two rounds of uh of, of players uh because we also have a josh downs in the next grouping and so it's like if you can get downs or flowers compared to a, a quentin johnston like five six seven rounds later yeah like you do that so i know and, and this is tough if if you guys are new to c2c don't do this kind of draft like this is not this is not good uh for anyone that's new to to that uh you need to know player values and you need to know how these players rank and all that kind of stuff even somebody like aaron is a genius when it comes to the stuff like he is so good at this stuff and even i'm telling him right now that he reached on somebody and he agrees with me i i believe so like he's not even saying like i'm an idiot for for saying that like it but that's what's that's gonna happen but you know, like reaching on somebody a couple rounds is not the end of the world. Reaching on somebody 20 rounds is the end of the world. And that's why you should not do this. If you're new to C2C, make sure it's split up or at the very least have someone that's very smart helping you, <laughs> you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, you nailed it on the head. It was Zay Flowers, Makai Lemon and Deontay Johnson. And honestly, like, there's no way in hell I'm, I'm drafting Deontay Johnson in that grouping. Uh, like, man, he, you want to talk about a player that just got screwed. Like he had the best situation. He had a, he had a QB that was throwing 700 times a game or 700 times a year, not a game. That would be a lot. Um, 700 times a year. And he was only throwing it to him. And so like people fell in love with Deontay Johnson because it was like, Oh my God, 170 targets. Like he's a stud, but he never did anything with the freaking ball. Like he never did anything. Like he just fell down, got tackled, or whatever. And I just, I always felt for two years, I felt like I was like going insane because I was like, Deontay Johnson's not that great. Yet he ended up being great, you know, like in in, in the end of uh, uh, rankings or at the end of the season. And then this past season, obviously it's a rookie QB and like things can change. He can get better, whatever. But it was just more like, yeah, this is who he is. This is who that player is. Like he's fine. He can get a lot of targets, but he doesn't do a lot with you know with it after the fact. Whatever. Point of the story is, I would not have him there because you have Makai Lemon, who is a top tier freshman wide receiver. 
You have Zay Flowers, who's a top-tier NFL wide receiver, although he did go to a pretty crappy landing spot. Um, but give me the guy that just got drafted in the first round of the NFL draft uh, that was a legit stud. Yes, I'm not the biggest Lamar Jackson fan, but I'm hoping to God that he can become the one on that squad and still be, you know, a legit, you know, contributor. And then Mikhail Lemon being the C to C, I don't know that it's going to be this year. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't truly believe it's going to be this year. I think there's just too much going on. You, you have Zachariah Branch, you have, um, you have Dorian Singer, uh, you have Taj Washington, you have the uh, Brian. Nope, not Brian. Uh, there's a bunch of other players. But... Jerry Rice's son. You have a bunch oh, of Br- other Brendan Rice. Yeah, yeah. Brendan Rice. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So there's there's so many players that I feel like are gonna see the field before Makai Lemon, but I think that he is a special talent and that he will be on the field next year. And then you'll be you know you'll be happy that you drafted him because of that reason. I'm fine with having Zay Flowers ahead of him. Then you have Makai Lemon. I'm almost completely on Deontay Johnson. Like there's absolutely no way I'm drafting him in this range. Yeah. And you know, maybe I, I partially put this on there just to see how much you, you did not like Deontay compared to these two. Uh, but I actually thought it was interesting and I don't know if I completely agree. I, I agree with Zay flowers being number one. It just makes so much more sense for him to be ahead and well ahead of Deontay, but Mikhail Lemon. I just think, like you said, there's a chance that he's like a year one zero and he is a good talent there, but USC just keeps bringing in this talent and these, these transfers. I could see him potentially, if he's not doing a lot year one, losing a lot of value, things like that. And I'm not saying that Deontay won't, you know, continue to lose value as we go along, but I mean, we, we can argue about his season last year. It wasn't good, but I mean, zero touchdowns, that's going to regress. He's going to be back to maybe wide receiver two type numbers. I'll take that production on the NFL side in a league where you need to start so many wide receivers on your NFL squad. It's like, it's hard, it's hard to find guys to supplement or to feed into your NFL roster. You kind of need starters. And I'm not saying that Deontay is a world beater, but I mean, the guy does have a top 12 PPR season as a finish and you know that's not probably going to happen again right that was so volume when this qb was throwing 700 times a season so oh yeah exactly no and i just said you know it's not something i project again but he does have that target hog type of um even last last season getting a lot of targets not that he did much with it i'm going to take deontay slightly ahead of mikhail lemon i think that there's should be a little bit of a break here say flowers should have went much earlier in this draft. Um, I'm sad that I wasted that, that selection on Quentin Johnston so early when I could have got saved. Uh, hindsight is funny and kind of unfortunate in this circumstance. So Zay is definitely the number one. Uh, we can agree upon that. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, getting into the next, it's basically the next round of just about, it's 14-11, 15-04, and 15-05. You have Damian Martinez, Josh Downs, and Trevor Etienne. And this is another fun one because you have multiple positions. You have, you know, uh, NFL wide receiver versus two college you know, running backs. And so, you know, it does really get a lot of fun with uh, trying to strategize of, of what do I want. And it might actually just come down to team, I don't want to say team need, but like team build, like that kind of thing, uh, more than anything else. But I think, I don't know that 
Damian Martinez and Trevor Etienne are like special talents. I like them. And I, I especially like them on the, you know, campus side. And this might be that kind of point where you make that tiebreaker um, where you go, okay, I, I kind of have all three of these guys tied, but I'm going to, I need help on the Canton side or, or I need help on the campus side, like that kind of thing. But I think that Josh Downs is a better talent than those two players. He's in a terrible position, a uh, terrible situation, but man, is he talented. And so we go talent over situation, and that's how we draft. So I'm going to go with Josh Downs first here. And then I think I'm going to go with Trevor Etienne and then Damian Martinez, although I don't have them all that far off of each other. Yeah. So I, I like it. I do question in this format, again, the bonus that the running backs get. The fact that Damian Martinez and Trevor Etienne both profile as three down type backs when they make it to the next level. And the campus side, of course, Debbie, that's a totally different uh, conversation with Josh Downs being in the NFL now. But like you said, I don't love the landing spot. Not convinced he's going to be a, a big difference maker, at least anytime early in his career. But he might be a long time solid NFL player. So, I mean, I like Josh Downs still. I'm thinking the running backs ahead of him in this format. But like you said, it's maybe a team need deal. So I, I align somewhat similarly with you as far as the thought process with it. Maybe just a slightly different conclusion of the running backs just ahead. But it's close. I don't fault anybody for taking these players in this range. All of them yeah. are interesting and good players. And as far as the tiebreaker, I, in my rankings, technically have Trevor Etienne one spot ahead of Damian Martinez. So they're back to back. However, I'm actually thinking, should we bump up Damian Martinez just a smidge over him? Because if you're thinking in C2C, you're going to get a little bit more production likely out of Martinez compared to ETN where it's like, eh, we got to wait another year. And is Florida even going to unleash one guy and or unleash a truly great fantasy season versus, I mean, I think Oregon State, Damian Martinez could be a league winner, that type of CFF production. And ultimately, you know, who gets drafted earlier in the NFL draft? I'd, I'd probably bet on the Florida guy over the Oregon State running back, but <laughs> they're both just good prospects, in, in my opinion, based on just one season of production and, and recruit status. So maybe slight edge to Damian Martinez, then Trevor Etienne, and then Josh Downs. See, I actually have it. I have Etienne like five spots ahead of Martinez. I, I, I think that Etienne just has more more actual Debbie talent uh, or Debbie possibilities. I should, I guess I, sh I should say. Um, so I, I definitely do not hate Damian Martinez at all. And I, I guess I, I maybe question 1411, 1504, 1505 as far as the picks, but I mean, I really don't hate them being in this grouping or anything like that by any means. But yeah, I just, I just have Trevor Etienne kind of like, in a tier of his own or, or a tier ahead of Damian Martinez, I, I guess I should say not, it's not, they're not that far off, but I would, I would say it's either a tier ahead or like ones at the top of the tier and ones at the bottom of the tier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I do have ETN just a smidge ahead in the rankings, but man, it's, it's tempting when there's that CFF 
side of it just to go with the guy who really you can lock into yeah, a, a starting lineup. Yep. But they are like closer. And if you're talking about just straight like C to C rankings, they are closer there. Um, but, you know, like I generally in the earlier rounds, not that 14, 15 you know, rounds is technically early, but I guess when you're combining the two, it kind of is. Um, but in the earlier rounds, like I, I generally just lean more towards my Debbie rankings than the C to C rankings. Um, even though I'm trying to make the C to C rankings as close to Debbie rankings in the beginning as possible, but it's really tough <laughs> when you're, when you're, when you're trying to like go with C to C upside or, or campus upside, like you're talking about versus Debbie upside. When do you make that change? When do you, you know, when do you make that determination? Like it, it really is difficult. So I'm, that's i'm pushing out my c2c rankings here very soon and that's kind of what i'm struggling with right now like i have the players i have the rankings like i'm i'm there it's just how much do i focus on that debbie side and how much do i focus on that campus side and that's where i'm trying to like figure out before i actually like push out those ranks very fair why don't you hit us with the next grouping here all right so this one's kind of fun we have uh we have one of my favorite players and uh in Jade not <laughs> but we also have Aaron Jones and Jonathan Mingo so we have a a veteran veteran then we have a rookie and then we have a, a player that everyone has given up on except for the player that uh drafted this player because uh I swear that everyone hates Jade not except for this one person that drafted Jade not here uh, it seems like, you know, based on what I've heard and everything else. But I think Aaron made a good point yesterday when we were talking about Jaden Ott in that they keep trying to replace Ott and it just doesn't happen. They're like, all right, we're going to bring in this guy. Oh, no, no, Ott's better. Oh, we're going to bring in this guy. Nope, nope, Ott's better. And like, he's just a stud. Like, the dude's a stud. I get he's not like true ideal size, but he's not small either. Um, and so I love Jaden not there. I love Aaron Jones, man, but I can't get behind a Jordan love led offense. I just can't do it. Like, I'm fine. If you have Aaron Jones, you got to stick with them, but like, do not trade or draft Aaron Jones. <laughs> like I just, I'm, I'm not all about that. Like, I hope that the talent can, can win out, but I don't want to make that bet again. And then Jonathan Mingo is not good. Like he's just not good. So why the hell is he being drafted here? I understand that he got drafted early in the NFL draft and draft capital, DC, all that kind of good stuff. But man, the talent levels that are going on here is you have Aaron Jones, Jade Knott, and Jonathan Mingo. <laughs> like it's just not the same. So yeah, get the hell out of here with all that stuff. Yeah, Jonathan Mingo's the guy who is it's kind of sexy looking, but you know, really once you draft them and you're stuck with them for a couple of years, you're like, Oh, why'd I do that? <laughs> it, honestly, it, it's, it's Nico Collins from a couple of years ago. It's Cornell Powell from a couple of years ago. Like it, it was all the same draft class. I believe it Amari Rogers, like all these wide receivers that got a little bit better draft capital than people expected them to get. And yet they were terrible and guess what? They're still terrible. Like it, it's just, it, it's so dumb. Yeah, don't <laughs> don't draft, don't draft a guy eight rounds earlier than you would have drafted him just because he got second round DC. Like that's not how this works. That's how you end up with the Henry Rugs. 
I, I agree. And I feel like there's some sort of meme that's about something about this. It's like, um, did it work out for those people? No, it never does. I mean, those people but. delude themselves into thinking it might, but it might work for us. And it's like, no, <laughs> no, I don't think this is probably going to work for you. Um, taking Jonathan Mingo here. I actually, I mean, I like him more than you. And I'm surprised I see all the love out there from Matt Harmon, JJ, Zach Reeson, um, these top end analysts. And they're kind of falling into the trap of, maybe like you said earlier, using context, but maybe they're stretching it a bit too far. Like, oh yeah, there's all this context. We should just, you know, ignore how he didn't do anything in college for so long. Well, I don't think we can ignore that much um, <laughs> of an unproductive profile. So I tend to agree with you. He's last here. Uh, Aaron Jones and Jaden Ott though. I mean, do I love, love, love those assets? No. And would I love Jaden Ott if they hadn't tried to replace him with literally, uh, what is it, four? No, three, three or four transfer backs that are all bigger than him. It's like so strange. Why would they keep bringing in these former top end guys? They just brought in a guy who's it was a little bit more of a grinder, a bruiser, but another guy who could steal goal line carries in King Daru. He's not a good player at all. But I mean, Justin Williams, Thomas, and Byron Carbell, like really notable prospects coming out who haven't really found their way yet. So, Hey, I think that Jaden Ott's the best out of them, but the coaching staff just seems to disagree. They want to. And like you said, I mean, you said that they haven't, or he he's not letting up the job or whatever, but if the coach is just, they're like, nah, you're, you're just a complimentary back. I get kind of discouraged thinking about it. So as much as I don't like going with the old running back here, it's just kind of a group that I don't feel great about. So I probably would go Jones, Ott, and Mingo. But I mean, who wants Aaron Jones in a in a startup in right. you know this type of format? But it's in the 18th. So for example, if you if somebody held off on taking a running back, you know, in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and they're like, instead, I'm just gonna scoop up a, a cheap starting running back in the 18th. I actually don't mind that strategy. Yeah, I, I get that. And that's why I'm, like, I'm fine with them being like pretty close. I, I think I would lean towards the upside of, of Ott just because I, I do believe he'll win out when it's all said and done. Like he was a stud. Uh, honestly, like what he put on the field, I feel like is very close to Quinchon Judkins. And yet, you know, maybe like he doesn't have the size or, or whatever that Judkins has, but I, I think that he's not getting any kind of respect like a Juckins where people are like Juckins is a freaking stud and Ott, oh who cares about Ott? He, he's terrible they're trying to replace him a lot they're, they're trying to replace him and it's not working so I I'm fine with going with the upside there over the like the 27 28 year old running back uh I get what you're saying like in the 18th round it's not the worst idea to go get a running back like that if you truly need it but man we can't even guarantee like Jones wasn't even all that special last year Aaron Rodgers on the team. Like, how can we guarantee that he's going to be special? Because like, he he lives off the passing game, and we can't guarantee all that's going to work out with uh, with Jordan Love. So, I, I think I'd still lean towards having Jade not over him, but I understand having them at least close. It's just Jonathan Mingo. Get the hell get get the hell out of here. Like, he should not be in this grouping at all. Love it. Love it. Uh, <laughs> let, let's finish with one more. And I'm just going to combine all the players here from this mid rounds. 
um, uh, selection in the draft. So this spans from the end of the 28th round to the beginning of the 30th. Just a bunch of names here. Kind of interesting blend of college and NFL assets here. I'll start with the NFL ones. There's Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst. And again, this is in the 28th to 30th round. So Hayden Hurst, Tyler Boyd, and in no particular order, Quentin Joyner, so USC freshman running back, uh, Tyler Buckner, now Alabama quarterback, tra just transferred in. And then maybe some more high-end CFF assets were Sheen Ali and Kavorian Barnes. So again, Tyler Boyd, Hayden Hurst, Quentin Joyner, Tyler Buckner, and then Rasheen Ali, Kavorian Barnes. Any strong takes? You don't have to rank every single one, but anything sticking out here, John, amongst that group? I think at this point, you might have to go with Tyler Buckner just because of the Alabama connections. And, and I mean, it doesn't seem that far fetched that he's going to be the starter this year. Like, I know it seems kind of crazy because people are just like completely out on Tyler Buckner, but he was a five star prospect. I know it's been weird. He didn't play a senior season in high school and he's been, he was hurt the entire year last year, basically. Um, but he showed traits even in that like bowl game at the end of the year. Like he, he had some picks and stuff, but like he, he showed that he could throw the ball. He obviously has athleticism. And I mean, Alabama was like, Hey, let's bring this guy in because clearly Ty Simpson and uh, Jalen Monroe are not cutting it at this point. Like there's no reason they'd be bringing somebody in. When have we seen that? Like, I, I know it's a different world now, like with, uh, with the transfer portable. And I'm not saying that teams shouldn't be doing this regardless. If, even if you love your player, Bring somebody else in. Like, who cares, you know? So I'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing it, but I feel like this is more of an actual, uh, you know, commentary on how they feel about Jalen Moreau and Ty Simpson than maybe a different situation might be. And so out of this grouping, there's not too much like that I, I truly believe in. Um I know, like people seem to really love Kavorian Barnes and like Rasheen Ali. Obviously, has some some uh, CFF upside and stuff like that. But I, I just I don't know. Like I think that Tyler Buckner actually has Debbie upside, C CFF upside, like all that kind of stuff. And so out of that grouping, I feel like I would take him over anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I I like that thought process. I guess I wasn't really considering Tyler Buckner maybe at the top, but you're convincing there. I just, I think that the Alabama squad, the coaching staff, they wanted to take a shot on a talented, uh, at least formerly very high end recruits. And I don't know, maybe they just wanted to take a gamble and they said, Hey, this guy could be good. He could be nice for our system. It doesn't mean it doesn't give a huge vote of confidence. Um, in, I guess any direction, right? Doesn't give a lot of confidence for us as if we're holding on to Jalen Milrow, uh shares and things like that. And I, I don't think, or Ty Simpson, and I don't think that it should give a lot of confidence though, even for Buckner. Um, I mean, I guess you could see it a bunch of different ways. Maybe they brought him in to maybe compete next year, but they, they don't feel as though he's ready to this year. They just wanted to scoop up a talent that was out there. Um, but it means something that the fact that Alabama was after him. But I actually go with Rashid Ali here. He is the guy with the highest CFF upside by far in this group. As far as, uh, what is it, CFB winning edge? 
Um, they put out all sorts of CFF content. They have a great podcast and they have Rasheed Ali, I think as the RB two in, in all of fantasy football, um, Jeez. Be, because you go back to, he was injured last year and he came back and he was still banged up. The guy he was competing with last year is now gone. So that room is back open. They're run heavy offense. They always have been, and they will continue to be this year. You go back to the previous year and he was a league winner. He was like a, I think the number one RB in all of college football. He's back healthy again. It's been confirmed. I'm really excited about his future. And if you talk about like CFF upside, you want to win your league. You want to win both your NFL and your campus side. He's a great asset that allows you to do that. These other guys are, are a little bit more dart throws like Quinn Joyner. Like who knows if he have even ever plays for USC. Like he looked good in the spring game, but you know, there's been lots of guys who faded out who also did that. And he's not going to start day one. Um, Hayden Hurst. I mean, we just got word that he got surgery. So that makes me you know, not as optimistic about him um, being a contributor, even though it's a two tight end league, Tyler Boyd, meh. Kavorian Barnes, lesser upside. I guess he shouldn't be grouped in with Rasheen Ali, in my opinion. He just doesn't have that high really? upside. Yeah, yeah. It, but if you go off of last year, I mean, that's a different conversation. But Rasheen Ali should be back. All, yeah, all ready to go. I, I don't know. I, I think that that uh, Kavorian Barnes kind of showed what he what he has, and I and you have the a. Uh, uh, junior player versus a fifth year player. Um, obviously I know when you're talking about in the 30th round and stuff, like you don't care as much about all that kind of stuff, but I'm still kind of thinking like Kavorian Barnes has a much better shot of actually being like a, a Debbie player at that point than Rasheen Ali does. Um, you know, I get, all, you know, what you're saying as far as like he was a top tier player and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I, I feel like Barnes has kind of shown, that he he could be viable at the very least where I feel like Rasheen Ali is just a college player, like a CFF player. Like I, I don't I don't see anything beyond that. Maybe it's just because of the injury. Like you know, maybe I'm wrong and maybe he'll he'll blow everyone's minds this year and then it won't matter. Um but I feel like at the very least whether we disagree on Ali and, and Barnes there, I feel like we can at least agree that I want nothing to do with Joyner or Hurst. Uh so I feel like I would I would put it at like Buckner, uh, Barnes, Boyd, Ali, and then the other two. Like that would be kind of like my my grouping there. Yeah. I think it just doesn't quite give the amount of credit that Rasheen Ali needs as a CFF threat. When, when we take into consideration that Barnes is not really an NFL hopeful either. You know, there's that slight chance. But, I mean, is he going to be better than what Dwayne McBride did? Like, Probably not. I mean, Dwayne McBride was dominant for years and he still went in the seventh round. And I get there's other concerns, but I mean, what did he average last year? Kevorian Barnes averaged 11 points per game. At least that's what Fantrax showed me in this format. Rashid Ali averaged 26 points per game in 2021. That's insane. So I just think that it's that much of an edge that he gives you why he needs to be propelled up. But I, I can see the argument for maybe a Debbie ranking saying yeah ali's probably not going to do it but again it's he's going to be a fourth year i think you said fifth year i'm pretty sure that you know 2020 was rasheen ali's true freshman season that might so, be so. why because i have him as a fifth year player so maybe that's yeah. why 
Um, well, he's a bit maybe lower. that's why I'm a little lower on him. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure you have to double check, but that's what I was seeing here. So anyways, that's kind of an interesting look at, I won't even call that the later rounds. That's just the mid rounds because this draft is still going on. <laughs> We are still drafting. I, I will just give a couple of the names since if you're listening this far into the draft, you're probably, or this far into the podcast, you're probably interested in hearing all sorts of sleepers and interested in the C2C format and maybe this particular startup format. So if you are interested, uh, maybe John would be interested in commissioning a league like this. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm, trying to sign him up, but uh, I'm so I'm so ready because I, <laughs> I, I need another one. And just to, to dive in, uh, Rashina Ali was a 2019 class prospect. Oof. So he Oof. is a fifth year prospect. Weird. Why did I just have... looked it up on two four seven? Do anything in 2019 and 2020? Correct. Ooh. Well, yeah. yeah. I guess his, I, I wasn't anticipating timeline, him. His timeline is he enrolled in Marshall at in 2020. That's the only thing on his timeline, but it literally says his class is 2019. So I I don't know exactly what happened there. Um, but I mean, that's at least what's on two, four, seven. That's what I went off of when I was, you know, when I was making his year in college and all that. So that's why, I mean, if it's different, then obviously I'll change it and, and things will be different, but especially in C to C, I really discount those fifth year players. Cause it's like, you know, like at that point in a fifth year player, like what are your odds of, of becoming a, a actual NFL player? Not great. And then unless you're that top tier guy, which I guess, you know, Rashin Ali can be or or was so like I'm I'm not hating on like he averaged four receptions per game like that right there that's four points you know like that you know that's not even including the yardage and all that kind of stuff like he can definitely score some points I'm not hating on the player at all but at that point it's just like man you're like what are you gonna do so you have one year left and and now you're off my team so that's kind of why I'm I'm out on Rashin Ali. Yeah. And maybe he is one of those guys who gets an injury redshirt year and then gets, you know, maybe an extra COVID one. But like you said, yeah, this might be his last year of relevance. So that's certainly a factor for drafters. But as promised, a couple of the guys who just won in this draft, we are in the 62nd round now. And we had Trey Palmer just go, Kenny McIntosh, Deion Jackson, Charlie Kolar. Yeah. And then I'm just going to pull up here a couple of the um, campus assets who just went. When are, when are you on the yeah. clock again? Uh, not for a while. I just took Kyle Parker, LSU wide receiver, and Tyrese Chambers, Maryland wide receiver, because I need to bolster the um, both the future with landing a, a four-star LSU wide receiver and hopefully get – I don't know. I already drafted one other LSU wide receiver. So um, hopefully locking up the future of the LSU uh, room and then also just a CFF asset because I think Chambers will break out this year. Has Sam Jackson gone? If he has, um, we, we got to delete this episode. This will never air. Nobody <laughs> will ever hear about this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you said Sam Jackson? Sam Jackson out of Cal. No, I don't think so. Um, you gotta draft Jackson. Sheet. That's my new baby. <laughs> That's awesome. That's I'd my new baby. To... You gotta draft him. I honestly, I, I, I was, uh, I had, uh, in, in, <laughs> so 
it's all nerdy stuff, but like in, in the model, I have index match formulas and I had it set to like, it was only index matching like 275 players. And yet in my statistics, I had like a thousand players or something like that. And so once I expanded everything, it brought in all these other players. Now what, there weren't too many that actually like changed or anything like that, but there was a couple of these players like Sam Jackson that I was like, huh, Okay. Maybe he's interesting. And so then, you know, what I do with these interesting campus to Canton players is I actually, you know, I just Google them. Like, all right, was, is there any hype? Is there anything going on? Well, he transferred to Cal. He's considered the starting running back, at least at the very least by our lads. And, um, and like, he's, you know, if you look at any of the articles, like people are talking about him being the starter this year at the very least. He is a rushing QB with rushing upside, like seven yards per carry in a very small sample side size. I love Sam Jackson, and yet he is considered like a barely a top 100 QB in C2C leagues, and it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Four-star recruit, like quality prospect. I'm not talking about some like random Joe Schmo, like, you know, that walked on somewhere or something <laughs> like that. So, uh, yeah. Give me Sam Jackson or give me death. That's that's basically where I'm at at this point. Dang. Okay. Um, are you convinced that he starts? I'm pretty convinced. I mean, like it, it's the smallest of samples. I, I think that he had. I want to say that he he threw nine attempts or something like that. Uh, but it was not a lot. Uh, and, and you know he he obviously rushed a little bit more than that. But once again, we're going to the four star prospect. We're going to the fact that you know like. Our lads, our lads already has him over the other two QBs that I've never even truly heard of before, and, uh, and and you know the fact that he's getting hyped. Like if you if you read some of the articles, maybe it's hype pieces, but the articles kind of get you excited about him from like spring practices, spring games, stuff like that. So yeah, I'm kind of all about Sam Jackson at this point. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That's a deep one for the listeners, and I'm going to look into him a bit more. That's why I brought it up. I'm like, man, I don't want to tell Aaron because we have a we have a supplemental draft coming up here pretty soon. But at the same time, he's going to come back and he's going to say he's going to thank me so much when he wins that championship with Sam Jackson at the helm that, you know, it's going to feel good regardless. And so, you know, I'll still be happy about the whole thing. <laughs> yes, I, I hope he doesn't go now that this is out there um, for everybody to listen to. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that uh, I think we covered quite a bit. Obviously, you said the draft's still going on. We can, you know, we can at least touch on some of the later round pieces. You know, once it all happens on the next pod, like that kind of thing. Um, my my headphones just told me that they were dying, so it's probably a good time to go ahead and get out of here. <laughs> uh, but I I appreciate you guys listening, and uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to talk. A very interesting, you know, way of doing CDC leagues. If you guys are, you if you guys want to do a CDC league with us, let me know because I'm, I'm not that far off from being convinced of uh, commissioning a uh, a CDC league, and I know that Aaron's goal or dream has always been to do a CDC auction with both all players in the auction, and I might just do that just to make him happy. Oh, an auction. I mean, you take what I'm doing there and you just throw a huge wrinkle into it and <laughs> we're getting wild. We need all the degenerates to 
come out here and yeah that might us, be a I little guess. that might be a little too crazy um, right imagine we'll all the see. placeholders imagine all the placeholders you'd need in, in whatever auction you know oh yeah resource you use Oof. <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> i mean i i know like i i i crap on mfl all the time but i know that i can add you know quite a few placeholders and all that kind of stuff so it wouldn't be i don't think it'd be all that difficult but um I really want to use League Tycoon, which is like a, a thing that uh, DLF has been pimping out lately. And they have an app and they have an actual um, auction process very similar to MFL where you have the proxy bidding and all that kind of stuff like that we love on MFL. And I really want to try it out because MFL is just terrible. <laughs> like, it, it, like I appreciate MFL for what it is, but man, it, it's so difficult as a commissioner, like trying to remember where all the settings are and all that kind of stuff. Like if you don't do it every day, it's, it's a nightmare. And then people ask you like, well, why can't I do this? And then, you know, it, it's, it's not fun. So I really want to try league tycoon um, and, and just see at least at the very least how the drafting process is. If not, they, there's some pretty cool stuff that they do like contract leagues and all that kind of stuff where, um, you know, I'd love to get into all that as well. Not a sponsor, but uh, I guess technically a sponsor of DLF, who I write for. But uh, I, I just—that's kind of like my next big thing. Is like I want to—I want at least run one league auction startup on uh, League Tycoon and just see how the drafting is. Because if I could get away from F MFL, it'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> That'd be pretty fun. And getting away from—I calculated 540 placeholders is what you would need for for the mfl <laughs> yeah for the mfl if you wanted to do a combined campus and because that's how many campus players get drafted in a 12 wow. person league yeah yeah i don't know if i can do that many but uh <laughs> yeah that, that might be tough but at the very least we can do just a regular one and uh you know get some listeners and get some have some fun i know uh I was just on the Campus Life podcast and Austin and Nelly Analytics uh, that I was on with were both saying that they were kind of interested in doing a startup. So right there, you know, we already got, what, five people? <laughs> so uh, four Let's people, go. whatever. I, I can't do math. Uh, so, yeah, we can definitely uh, at least have a, a start there. And then we get some listeners in, get a couple other people in, and we'll be ready to go. Perfect. Yeah, your your other co-host Andy, you know, I know he I think Yeah, Andy, I've invited him to some Devi leagues and he's like, "No, I don't want to do Devi. I only want to do C to C, C to C." So, like I'm pretty sure that that he'd be down. Um and I'm sure we can easily get, you know, a handful of other people. So, it shouldn't be that difficult. We'll have it ready to go. Let's see. Today's the 23rd. Tomorrow at uh, noon, you know, we'll go ahead and start and <laughs> My my fiance will be thrilled that I get done with this, you know, seventy five round C to C league, and she's like, "If you're finally done with that," and I'm like, "Yeah, but John's starting another one tomorrow." <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, that's it's why they're that's still great. fiances. You have to you have to let them know, you know, what's how how it's going to be, you know, before you truly get married, and you know, and all that kind of stuff. You have to lock that stuff down beforehand. <laughs> C C to C drafts continuously for the rest of my life yeah for, for 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 your life that's just how it works but all right enough about that uh appreciate you guys listening it was a lot of fun aaron thanks for making this all work i know you're a very busy man uh, as we speak but uh let us know if you guys want to be a part of a c2c draft and i will definitely make that work 
if we get a little bit of uh, interest there, I, you know, you'll, you'll push me over the edge and I'll go ahead and write up the bylaws, which I'm known to write some pretty damn good bylaws. I might even make a little uh, tweak or two to, to your normal C2C leagues and make it a little fun. So who knows? But I appreciate you guys listening. Aaron, appreciate you for jumping on, for being here. And uh, we will see you guys next time. But for now, we're cashing out. See you.